Good morning. Welcome to the, oh yeah, some of you already know what to do. <laughs> Stand up if you're able and let's sing together from the day he saved my soul. What's up, everybody? Y'all be seated for a few minutes. Y'all doing good? How is everyone doing this morning? 
Good, good. It's so good to see everybody here. And we, we hope and pray that you have come ready to experience through our worship and through the preaching of the word God's presence today. I hope you're ready. And we, we're excited for what he has in store for us this morning. Um, if you're our first-time guest, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's great to have you. And uh, welcome to our new building, a new facility over here. It's, it's awesome. We're loving it. And uh, we hope you love it too. Um, if we haven't connected yet, my name is Pastor Nathan. I'm the student minister. And uh, I would love to meet you. So right after service over on this side, there's a big welcome guest. I got a fan. Uh, <laughs> we got a, a, a welcome guest banner right there. I'd love to connect with you, say hello, and share with you a little bit about our church um, and, and just meet you. But maybe you've been coming for a few weeks and, and you want to know what's, what's up with Kavanaugh, what we all got going on, everything. We got a more information counter on this side. And we'd love to share with you about the ministries that are going on here, for everything from our youth to the prime timers. I mean, it's just a happening place, Brother Will, right? Amen. So, Again, we're, we're so excited that you're here, and, and, and we believe that you're here for a reason today, that God's word um, is, is meant to be heard by you today, and uh, just excited. So I'm going to invite you all to stand, and we're going to ask his anointing on our services today, um, and uh, get right into it. Let's pray. Lord, we love you again. Thank you for bringing us back together, God. Um, we love our Kavanaugh Church family and, and the place that you have provided us here to worship and to listen to your word, God. And we pray for open hearts today and for our focus to be on you as Brother Will brings the message today. I pray that we are receptive to that, God, because it's a powerful message, God, our marching orders, and we want to do what you want us to do as a church. So give us the strength, give us the encouragement, and empower us to do awesome things to be a light to this dark world. We love you so much in your name. Amen. Y'all be seated. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Nathan. You may be seated. I've got an awesome family following me up on the stage. Miss uh, Emma Grace is bringing her whole family up here. You let Miss Emma know that you love her. We, we know Miss Emma is in the house today, and she is a beautiful little girl. Come on up here, family. Glad that this, uh, this family is with us. Glad that you're here today. Thanks for being a part of Kavanaugh Church today. Uh, this is an awesome family. Love you guys. And uh, I, told, I told Dewey right before, I said, you're in charge of this crew up here, so y'all, y'all watch out. Dewey's in charge, all right? No telling what's going to happen now. So, uh, Kevin and Liam, let me just talk to you for a second. Did y'all know that these are two of the smartest people I have ever met in my life? They're absolute geniuses, and uh, God has blessed them with a beautiful, beautiful baby daughter, Emma Grace. Leah, what was life like before Emma came along? Do you, even, you, don't, you don't even remember now, do you? God has been so good to Kevin and Leah, and uh, Emma has changed their life for the good, because that's what babies do, amen? Uh, and Kevin and Leah, what you're doing today with your entire family, church, is very biblical, because uh, Parents dedicate their kids to the Lord. That's what they did in the Word of God, and that's what we need to be doing still today. Hannah dedicated Samuel to the Lord. Mary, the mother of Jesus, brought her baby to the Lord's house and dedicated him to the Lord. And so we are confident, family, that uh, God is going to honor your faith today as you dedicate this precious little girl, Emma Grace, to Jesus Christ today. Kevin and Lee, I want to take you to a, a great passage of Scripture found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it reminds us how we are to raise our kids. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your mind and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today, they shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. And they shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So Leah, here's your instruction. All during the day, at various times, God is going to give you opportunity to speak the word of truth into Emma's life. You just need to be aware of those moments, follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and then teach her whenever the Lord opens that door. Uh, Kevin, it means that at breakfast you tell her about Jesus. At lunch you tell her about the Lord. When you wake up in the morning, uh, say a good word to this little baby girl about God's will for her life. When you're standing in line at Walmart, what a good time to instruct your kids when you're driving down the road. Family, at any family event, live a godly life in front of Emma so that she can know the way, the truth, and the life. Then this great instruction from Proverbs, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Kevin and Leah, in presenting Emma for dedication, you not only signify your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but your desire that she know Jesus as her Savior and Lord as well. For that to happen, here is your duty as parents. Five things. Number one, you need to teach her the Word of God early. Start right now. Number two, watch over her education so that she is not led astray. Number three, direct her youthful mind to the Holy Scriptures and her little feet to the Lord's house. Number four, restrain her from all harmful associates and habits. And number five, as much as in your lies, bring her up in the admonition of the Lord. Will you endeavor to do this with the help of God? This is not only for Kevin and Leah, but for the whole family. If you do, say, we will. We will. And church, let, let me admonish you and charge you to come alongside of Kevin and Leah in this family and help Miss Emma to know the will of God for her life. Instruct her through your own life and through the words that you say. Help her to find, follow, and finish God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. Will you help them do this? If so, say, we will. Yes. Fantastic. Got a few things for you guys. Uh, here is a certificate for little Emma Grace's room. If you want to hang that on the wall, I'm going to entrust this with you, Kevin. It's a letter uh, addressed to Emma Grace to be opened on your 18th birthday. And that's going to be here before you know it. And in this letter, I remind Emma what we did today. And if she's not already a Christian, I encourage her to accept Jesus as her Savior. So put that in a safe place. And then, Kevin, I got something for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to entrust this into your care. It is a beautiful little pink New Testament with Emma's name on it, and I charge you as her daddy to teach her the word of truth. And I know you're going to do that, man. All right, Emma, you ready? You ready to come over here just for a second, you precious little thing? Is it? Let go of your mama's hair. Here, you can grab mine. Brother Johnny, isn't she something? She, she is precious. Emma, we dedicate you to the Lord today, and it is our prayer that you find, follow, and finish God's will for your life. Brother Johnny, would you pray the prayer of dedication? Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to be here today with, with Emma Grace and her family. God, we know that she's, she's fearfully and purposely made. God, we know that she's your creation. God, we lift her up to you now as we do dedicate her to you. God, we 
we charge the family, Lord, alongside our church, Lord, that we will do our best uh, to see her, um, to follow you, Lord. We just pray that, that her steps will be towards you all of her life. God's such a wonderful little creation. We're so thankful mm -hmm. for her. And again, God, we dedicate her to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Mm -hmm. We love you. You're awesome. You're, you're doing good with me, aren't you? Isn't she great? Yeah. Have I ever told you I love babies? Did, did y'all know that? Oh, I love babies. Have more of them. Will you do that? You guys have more of them, all right? I, I don't want to give her back to you, but I'm going to, all right? Y'all give Miss Emma Grace a big round of applause. Thank you, family. Thank you so much. Y'all can, can step to the side. Church, uh, man, what a great day as we dedicate Emma to the Lord. Let's be an example to her and all the other children that we have in our church. You be their heroes in the faith. Would you stand? We're going to continue to praise God and sing to his matchless name. Join us as we sing. It's all. 
a statement this week I want to share it with you it says when a person strongly believes something he or she will attempt to live what they believe I'm gonna read it again when a person strongly believes in something he or she will attempt to live what they believe and I think we would all agree that it is important for us to know what we believe and why we believe it. It's important for our children to know what they believe and why they believe it. Because what we believe affects how we live our lives. Do you all agree with that statement? Yes. yes. Um, this last song that we're gonna sing is basically the Apostles' Creed put to music. And if you're not familiar with the Apostles' Creed, it was written, uh, really it had twofold purpose, I guess. Um, it was for the early church. The main reason was to summarize statements of faith. This is what we as the church believe about God. Um, the second reason was so that they could refute false doctrine. Because how would we know if something is false if we don't know what we believe, right? Um, and so, so it was written in concise form and they always kept it before them. They recited it when they gathered together um, so that it wasn't just for the preachers, the priests, the leaders of the day. It was for, for all people, for you, for me, right? So that we know what we believe and we can stand strong in our faith in God. Um, it's a proven fact that if you want to memorize something, you put it to music. Did you know that? It's so much easier. If you want to memorize something, you put it to songs. I used to do it with my homework, etc. <laughs> ABCs, right? I mean, it's to a song so that we can remember it. Um, we are fortunate that this creed has been put to music for us. So I would like to encourage you to learn this song because it teaches us. It's, it's our confession of faith in song form. So let's sing today what we believe, the Apostles' Creed.
can save us from our sins and give us peace in the midst of the storm. Father God, I'm so thankful that you are here this morning in our midst. I just ask that you pour your spirit out upon us and move through this place. Anoint Will as he brings your word to us and help us to hear what you would have us to hear and to heed your voice, Father. I just, I just thank you so much because you are in this place. Pray that you meet every need and open our eyes this morning to see you. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Amen. All the people said, Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Give the praise team another big hand. Boy, they did it today, man. That was fantastic. Wonderful. Love that song. The, the only song that I love better than that is the version that Ron sings of that, and uh, we're going to hear that sometime soon, I pray. Hey, glad that you're here today. Last Sunday, I started a, a new little series from Matthew chapter 10, and um, in, in, in my preaching, I always pray and ask God, show me what to preach, you know, lead me in, in what I need to be saying, and I know without a doubt that God led me to Matthew chapter 10, because in this passage, Jesus gives marching orders to his apostles. And I think those same marching orders that Jesus gave those first 12 apply to us today in 2022 as Kavanaugh Church. So today we're going to continue the series. Uh, today we're going to talk about hard times, all right? And uh, this is a pretty hard message. It's not one of those fluffy feel-good messages, all right? Uh, last week when we started this series, I, I told you you needed your work boots on. Remember that? You need to be wearing your work boots because this is work that God has called us to. Our marching orders uh, and tell us to do the work of the Lord. Well, today, take off your work boots and put your combat boots on because we're going to war. But before I read the passage beginning in verse number 16, I want to take you back to the very first verse of chapter 10. Summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and every sickness. So when he sent these 12 men out, he empowered them. He gave them his authority to go out. And you need to keep that in the back of your mind as we read our passage today, beginning in Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 16. Jesus went on to say, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. Beware of them, he's talking about the wolves, because they will hand you over to local courts and flog you in their synagogues. You will even be brought before governors and kings because of me, to bear witness to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, don't worry about what you are to speak, for you will be given what you are to say at that very hour, that very moment, because it isn't you speaking. It is the Spirit of your Father who is speaking in you and through you. Here's what's going to happen. Brother will betray brother to death, a father his child, children their parents. They will rise up against them and put them to death. You will be hated by everyone Jesus said, because of me. But the one who endures to the end shall be saved. When they persecute you in one town, just flee to the other town. For truly I tell you, you will not have gone through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher or a slave above his master. It is enough for a disciple to become like his teacher and a slave like his master. And if they called the head of the house Beelzebul, which being interpreted is the prince of demons, how much more the members of his household? Let's pray because we need it. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about hard times. 
Heavenly Father, I do love you. Thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for these people who are here today, Lord. I love them and I appreciate them. And dear Lord, I pray today that you would open all of our minds and hearts to receive the word of God. As I speak it on the outside, Lord, please speak it into our very souls. Change us, dear Lord, mold us and make us into the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Shortly before the Supreme Court decision that legalized gay marriage a few years ago, Wallace Henley wrote an article addressed to all the churches in America. The article was entitled, Dear Churches in America, Be Prepared to Be Treated Like First Century Christians in Rome. It's kind of a lengthy title, but it explains his position. And he frames the issue like this. He said, churches that hold to a strict and conservative interpretation of the Bible's teaching about gender and marriage may find themselves Romanized. In our time, this means that local churches that do not embrace same-sex marriage would find their legal status shaky or even non-existent, and they would therefore be persecuted by the government. He goes on to say that conservative Christians are now regarded by the consensus establishments as the villains in transformed America. And he says it's only a short step until we become the criminals in this country and are treated as such. Well, you know what? He's right on all counts. And that was only a few years ago. And you know what? It's already happening in our country. Church, listen to me. Hard times are coming. They're here. And it's even going to get worse. And we better be ready. Therefore, it brings us to our key verse in Matthew chapter 10, which is verse 16. Jesus said to his disciples, he's saying it to you, those in this room, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Hmm. I've never met anybody who chose this as their life verse. Have you? I mean, it's not the most inspiring word picture from the Bible. He wants us to understand we are his sheep and he's sending us out among the wolves. Who wants to be a sheep amongst wolves? Not me, not me. Note how Jesus put this. He said, I am sending you out. He didn't say, you're gonna just find yourself out there or you may wander out there among wolves. No, it really has a sense of divine commission to it. He said, I am intentionally sending you as sheep amongst wolves. Speaking as one of the sheep, I've got a question. Lord, why would you do that? Wolves eat sheep. It ain't safe out there. I, th I think that's a fair question because it's not a fair fight. Wolves and sheep have been fighting for a long time, and as of right now, the wolves are undefeated. So let's be clear about this. Jesus is saying, 
You are my sheep, and yes, I am your shepherd. All around you in this world are ravenous wolves. I see them. I know they are there. I know they want to kill you. And I am sending you out there in the midst of them anyway. That's hard to understand on one level. It seems to me like it's a death sentence. And Jesus, our shepherd, is giving it to us. Now, Jesus is not sending his sheep out with just this general warning. He, he's not just saying, hey, be careful, this is wolf country we're living in. That's true, of course. But Jesus means more than that. He's really saying this, here we are, and all around us, all around us are wolves. And I am sending you out into the midst of those wolves. And let me take this just a step further. It's not as if Jesus is saying, I am sending you into a very dangerous place, but don't worry, at the last second, just as the wolf is about to chomp down on your flesh, I'm going to deliver you so that no harm comes to you. Now, he can do that. Don't you believe that? And he might do that, but we don't have any guarantee that he's going to do that. In fact, there is no promise of deliverance connected to this verse. That's scary. But it's a theme or a motif that runs through Scripture. This is the New Testament of a, account of what happened in Daniel chapter 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember those three guys? They are face-to-face -face with King Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man on the earth at that time, who built this huge image and commanded everyone to bow down and worship his image. Literally, he wanted them to worship him. So everyone bowed down except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar had this burning, fiery furnace up there whose flames were so hot, they were just licking out and consuming people. And King Nebuchadnezzar said to these three Hebrew boys, if you don't bow down and worship my image, I'm going to throw you into the burning, fiery furnace. Do you understand? To which they responded, yes, sir, we do understand, but here's the deal. Our God is able to deliver us from this burning, fiery furnace, and we believe that he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't deliver us, we're going to set notice on you that we're not going to bow down and worship your image. Same scenario today. Can I look at me? Everybody look at me. I'm, I'm losing you. Don't, don't let me lose you today. Wolves will be wolves. They kill sheep. Knowing that, Jesus adds a crucial bit of instruction at the end of verse number 16. He said, be as shrewd as serpents and as harmless as doves. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, the primary point of comparison is this. Snakes know how to disguise themselves. They know how to camouflage themselves. Snakes can hide under things like a rock or find shadows, and they can stay out of the way. They're sneaky. They're not necessarily looking for trouble, but they're ready for it. Where I was raised in West Texas, we had snakes, didn't we, Dad? But just one variety, rattlesnakes. I was keenly aware of rattlesnakes from a very young age. We lived out in the country, and they were everywhere. But they warned you. 
you could hear the little rattler rattle. And Ken, if you ever heard that little rattle rattler on a rattlesnake, you'll never forget that rattle. It gets your attention. I moved to Arkansas when I was pastoring in Pine Bluff, Gary, and, and I didn't know about the kind of snakes we have here in Arkansas. And I was fishing with a bunch of guys from the Oak Park Church, and they went down to where the Mississippi and the Arkansas River connect. There's a bunch of backwater lakes back down through there, and we were trekking through there, going from lake to lake, and I was walking down this trail, and right beside me was a guy from the church named Les Cooper, and Les put his arm out and stopped me. And he said, Rev, call me Rev, Rev, you might not want to take another step. And I looked down and said, well, why not, Les? He says, because there's a copperhead right there. And sure enough, I looked. I couldn't see it at first, but as I looked, camouflaged with all those leaves, there was a copperhead. And you know what? After I saw it was there, that's the only thing I saw. Yeah. It got my attention. It, it, was, it was there. Applied to us, Jesus is saying this, I am sending you out into a very dangerous situation, so I want you to be smart. I want you to be cautious. I want you to pay attention and don't be naive. Or to put it in the vernacular, he's saying, don't be an idiot. They're wolves. They want to kill you. So don't be pulling their tail and yanking on their ear. Don't taunt them. And then he talks about doves. He says, be as harmless as a dove. I think really more than anything, it speaks to our integrity here. One of the commentators I read said, doves are so innocent that they are clueless to danger. So really what Jesus is doing is, is balancing this picture. He's saying to us, you need to be as shrewd as a serpent. You don't, you don't need to be out there looking for trouble. You don't need to be pulling the wolf's tail. Avoid trouble if you can, but at the same time, I want you to be bold in what you do. Be as innocent as a dove. That, that is just be, understand there's trouble, but don't let trouble stop you. Stay with your own integrity. Speak the word of truth with boldness. You know what? That brings us back to our crucial question. It's really a question to the Lord himself. Lord Jesus, we know that you're our good shepherd. Amen? We know that you love us, Lord. But why in the world would you put us in this position? Why are we sent out as sheep among wolves? Well, in, in the rest of this passage, he, he gives us the reasons why. Three answers to that question. Why send us out as sheep among wolves? Answer number one, he wants us to go out as sheep among the wolves so that we might bear witness to his name. The wolves represent the world. And these wolves need to hear the truth of Jesus. They need to hear that Jesus loves them and that Jesus can change them and that Jesus saves them. And you know what? As his followers, we are his mouthpiece. We are his hands and his feet. And so he's sending us back out into the world so that we can bear witness to his name. Look at how he pins it in verse 17. He says, now guys, beware of them because they will hand you over to local courts and flog you in their synagogues. They will even bring you before governors and kings because of me to bear witness to them 
and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, don't worry about how or what you're going to speak, for you will be given what to say at that very hour, because it isn't you speaking, but it is the Spirit of your Father who is speaking in you and through you. Now, I want you to notice how Jesus breaks this down. He said, they will hand you over. And I wrote down in my notes, that's bad. And then he said, they will beat you, to which I wrote, that's worse. (laughs) And then he said, they will hand you over to governors and kings, to which I responded, that is horrible. It's bad, it's worse, it's horrible. But then he pivots and turns. And he says, you will bear witness to me to the nations. I wrote, that's good. You don't have to worry about what you're going to say. I said, that's better. He said, you will be given what to say at that very hour. And I said, that's the best. It's good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good is better and your better's best. I just threw that in free of charge. But, but you know what this is saying? It's telling us that, that in good or bad, in perilous times or in deliverance, Jesus is in control of everything. Jesus sends us out into a dangerous situation, not with a promise of deliverance, but with the promise of power to speak in his name. The whole point is very clear. Jesus is in charge of everything that happens in your life, the good, the bad, the happy, the sad, the positive, the negative, all of it. He knows all about the wolves, and he is sending us out in the midst of them anyway. It's been part of his plan since the beginning of time. Why? Because the wolves need the word, and we are to speak it. Have you ever heard these words, this confession of faith? I am a Christian, and I will remain a Christian. That's what Miriam Ibrahim said to the prosecutor in Sudan who tried to get her time and time again to renounce her faith. Maybe you remember her story just from a few years ago. She was a young medical doctor who was arrested, tried, and convicted for adultery and apostasy. Her crime? Supposedly converting from Islam to Christianity and marrying a Christian man. Thus, they say, she committed apostasy and adultery. Time and again, the prosecutor badgered her to renounce her faith, to turn her back on Jesus. But you know what? She refused each and every time. That's when she uttered these classic words, I am a Christian and I will remain a Christian. And as a result of her faithful witness to the nations, she was not only kept in jail, she was put in shackles. She was eight months pregnant at the time. And when nine months came and she delivered her baby, they didn't even remove the shackles from her hands and her feet. Through it all, she steadfastly refused to renounce the name of her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when Megyn Kelly interviewed her on Fox News later, Miriam said her heart breaks for all believers in Sudan, especially women believers. Jesus told his disciples this is going to happen if you follow him. 
Remember John 16, 33? Jesus said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. Many Christians in the West don't take verses like this very seriously. We, we hear about it. We hear about the crimes and audacities going on against Christians in the Middle East, and we think, that could never happen here. <laughs> Friend, open your eyes. It's happening here. I know of no promise in the Bible that American Christians will somehow be shielded from suffering. Miriam has shown us the, the truth of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 10. She suffered for the name of Jesus. She was in shackles for the name of Jesus. Yet she was able to bear a witness of Jesus in the courts of Sudan. That's exactly what Matthew chapter 10 said would happen. That was always Jesus' plan. So the very first answer to the question, why does Jesus send us out as sheep among wolves, is so that we can testify for him to the nations of the world. So guys, you got to open your mouth. Now, don't be an idiot about it, using the vernacular. Be as shrewd as a serpent. Don't pull the tail of the wolf but also be bold. Stand for the truth. Speak the truth. If it means it causes you trouble, let it be. You have been called to be his mouthpiece in a world that is falling apart. The second answer to the question, why would Jesus do something like that, is this. So that we could demonstrate the reality of our faith. So that we can show the world, it's not puff talk we're having here. It's just not an emotion. This is not feeling. This is who we are. We know, Angie, we know what we believe. And we live it out. Look at verse 21 through 23. He said, here's what's going to happen. If you follow me, brother is going to betray brother to death. A father his child. Children will rise up against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of my name. But the one who endures to the end, that one will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, <laughs> don't let it brother you. you. You just go on to the next town. For truly I tell you, you will not have gone through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Jesus offers us a frightening picture of the total breakdown of our society. Brother betrays brother. Father betrays child. Children betray parents. Christians are going to be hated by everyone. And what do they do? They end up fleeing from one city to the next. But perhaps the most sobering part comes in verse 23. You will not have covered the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Of all the verses in this passage, that one is the most controversial verse because no one really knows exactly what Jesus meant by that. Is, is he talking about in that very day when they come back together as, as his followers, or is he talking about the end of the age when the Son of Man comes again in his glorification? 
I I don't know the true answer to it, but here's what I do know. This is how our world is going to be until Jesus comes back. Brother betrays brother, father his children, children their parents, and everyone is going to hate Christians. That's how it was in the first century, and that's the way it is in the 21st century. Nothing that really matters has changed. The wolves are still on the prowl. And the sheep are still at danger. There's trouble on every side. <laughs> Boy, if you didn't think this sermon could get any tougher. We, hey, come back next week. We're going to have a little relief next week. All right? Just a little teaser there. This is, this is some bad stuff, hard stuff. But he gives us hope right in the middle of it next week. Don't forget next week. How many of you remember the 21 Coptic Christians who were beheaded by ISIS on the shores of the Mediterranean Sea in Libya? Remember that picture? They they recorded it. These 21 believers in Jesus were carted out on on the seashore in orange suits, and behind each one was a member of ISIS dressed completely in black. And they had these 21 Christians kneel down on the ground, on the sand, and behind them was a member of ISIS. And on video that was sent to all the news networks, they sliced their throats. They sliced these Christians' throats. And and if you remember, you saw the lips of some of them move. And upon closer examination, some of them were speaking the name Jesus. As their throats were sliced and they died. Not long after that, a a Fox reporter went to the village where these 21 men came from. He was in danger just being there, but he went there for a story and and he talked to their families and and he asked their families, "What, what do you remember about these men? What stands out about these 21 stoic men who gave their life for Jesus? And here's what every one of them said. Did you see how brave they were? They were like lions. They walked without fear. (laughs) They were like lions. Like lions who follow the lamb, who is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Let me tell you something, guys. The Christian life is, is, is just not, it's not some easy kid game. It's tough. The Christian life can be hard. Sometimes it's very hard indeed. Why in the world would Jesus send us out as sheep among wolves? Well, so that we can testify to the world his name and so that we can demonstrate to the world that, you know what? What we have has changed our lives. We're willing to die for our leader We're willing to take whatever the world throws at us because we are not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. The third answer, so that we might become like Christ through suffering. Look at verses 24 and 25. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a slave above his master. It is enough for a disciple to become like his teacher and a slave like his master. And if they called the head of the house Beelzebul, which again means prince of demons, how much more the members of his household? 
Jesus is our teacher. We are his disciples. Jesus is our master. We are his servants. Jesus is the head of the family. And we are members of that family. So let me ask you, what did they do to him? What did the wolves do to Jesus? Come on, you know the answer. They crucified him. How can we expect anything better? Let's be real about it. Now, I, I said this last week. I, I want people to like me. That's just kind of my DNA. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it when somebody's upset with me. I, it's just the way I am. I wished I could just care less. <laughs> Who cares? But I do care. To me, it matters what people think about me. You know what? There comes a point in time, though, when you know what? You got to get beyond that. You got to look at the big picture. They hated Jesus, they didn't want Jesus around. Jesus was ruining their fun, Jesus wasn't giving them what they wanted. And, And if they did that to Jesus, and I'm a follower of Jesus, Amen. They're going to do it to me too. And to you. You don't know the name Christopher Love. It's because he lived in the 1600s. Let me just tell you a bit about his story. He was a Welsh Protestant preacher who was arrested and accused of treason and sentenced to die by beheading. Why? Because he was preaching the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was way back in in 1651. He he was imprisoned in the Tower of London, awaiting the day of his execution. And so he would write back and forth to his wife. There there are copies of the letters she wrote to him and the letters he wrote back to her. His wife was a, a beautiful lady by the name of Mary. They had had four kids. Two of the children had died. Two were still alive. And while he was in prison, now in prison, she was at home pregnant with their fifth child. On the day of his death, Christopher Love wrote one final letter to his wife, and here's just the beginning of it. My most gracious beloved, I am now going from a prison to the palace. I have finished my work, and I am now going to receive my wages. I'm going to heaven, where two of our children are, and leaving you on earth, where there are three of our babies. Those two above in heaven need not my care, but the three below need thine. He went on to tell his wife and his family how much he loved them, and then he signed it, Christopher Love, the day of my glorification from the Tower of London, August 22nd, 1651. But you know what? That first sentence says it all. I go now from a prison to a palace. Let me tell you, he had the right perspective, didn't he? He knew that this world was not his home. He knew there was something better for him. He knew that while he was on planet Earth, he was shackled in a prison, that wolves were around him, snapping at his feet, wanting to eat his flesh, and he was about to be promoted to a palace. Guys, let me tell you something. If they crucified our Lord and our leader, how in the world did you think they're going to treat you? This world is our prison. 
but we are moving from a prison to a palace. And here's the main point, the real application of Matthew chapter 10. Jesus knows what he's doing. Did you hear? Jesus knows what he's doing. Sheep among wolves, that ain't no mistake. It's not a misprint. It's part of God's plan. Jesus intends to show the world that his followers are not made out of sugar candy. That we're a little tougher than we look. In the Coast Guard, they have a saying, you have to go out, you don't have to come back. That's pretty brutal, but you know what? That's for all of us. We are in sheep in the midst of a pack of wolves. We've got to go out, but we don't have to come back. We may be promoted. Sheep in the midst of wolves? Come on, preacher. <laughs> what comfort is that? I mean, I came in here to hear a feel-good sermon. I want, I, want, I want you to tell me that if I become a Christian, everything's going to be perfect in my life, and I'm not going to have any more problems, and I'm going to get wealthy and, and, and live in luxury, and everything's going to be great, and people are going to love me. Everything's going to be good for me. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that, but that's not what the Word says. So let's just be ready. Let's put our combat boots on, Ron. Let's go to war. Sheep in the midst of wolves? What comfort is that? Well, let me give you the comfort from Romans chapter 8. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, Jesus, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life nor death, angels or rulers, things present nor things to come, hostile powers, height or depth or any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, there are wolves out there. And out we go. <laughs> and Jesus goes with us. Jesus is with us. That our confidence as we go forth as sheep among wolves is knowing that nothing is going to happen to us that can separate us from the love of Christ. So what if they do to us what they did to Jesus? It only means a promotion. I know this is a hard saying. I know this is tough to digest. But this is what's happening in our world. We are not looked upon favorably in this society. And it's only going to get worse. So Jesus gives us our marching orders. Let's get with it.
It means that you're going to have to walk out of this place today and be as shrewd as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. You're going to have to open your mouth, know what you believe, stand for what you believe, and speak what you believe. There are wolves out in the world, but those wolves need Jesus. And you are his mouthpiece. So as we have our invitation today, I would invite you to come. And if you're not saved, you, you need to accept Jesus and become a believer today. If you are a Christian, you need to come and ask Jesus to fortify your faith, to make you strong and bold so that you can be a witness to the nations, so that you can demonstrate your faith in Jesus Christ, and so that you can align with his suffering. And listen to me, if you are here today and you have kids and grandkids, nothing should stop you from coming to the altar and praying for them because the wolves are hungry for your kids. They are ready to devour your babies. I miss Charlie Wagner. He died a year ago. It's been one year since we lost Brother Charlie. Ronnie, I'd always love to call on Charlie to pray because he was, he was a praying man, man. It didn't make the hair stand up on your back when Charlie Wagner would pray. And I heard him numerous times pray for a hedge of protection around us as we go forth sharing the good news. If you've got some babies in your house, you need to come today and pray a hedge of protection around them because the wolves want them. And if you don't pray for them, who's going to? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just motivate us to be the right kind of sheep in the world today. Help us, dear Lord, to come and pray that our faith be fortified. Pray for our kids and our grandkids as they are little lambs amongst ravenous wolves. Lord, help us to come today and pray for our church that we might let our light shine for you in a dark world and that we could spread the name of Jesus amongst the nations. Help us, dear Lord. Help, help, help a revival to be kindled in our hearts and in this church today. Help us, dear Lord, to say yes to following you and speaking for you. And Lord, if you're doing something else in somebody's life and they need to come and pray about that, maybe you're, maybe you're calling them to a specific ministry or to do something specifically in their life, I pray that they would come and say yes to you today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Praise team's going to sing. Hey, as soon as you stand up, if you feel the impulse to come and pray, would you just step out, come. Pray for your faith to be fortified. Pray for your babies. Come now. i
do believe in the name of Jesus today, for it's in the name of Jesus that we find salvation, strength, and courage to stand for you. Lord, help us to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Help us to stand boldly in this dark world and proclaim the good news of Jesus. Lord, I pray for my kids. Lord, every day I pray for Whitney and Tyler, Ella Jane and Archie. I pray for Callie and Michael and Zane. I pray the armor of God on their lives. I pray, dear Lord, that you would embolden them to be a witness for you. And, and, and come what may, I pray that they live for you. Lord, help us as dads and moms to be faithful, to, to pray for our kids knowing that they are living in a world of wolves. I pray for everyone in this room and those watching online. Fortify our faith, Lord. Strengthen us. Help us to be as shrewd as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for our church. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Good deal. I, I know that I know that's kind of hard to digest. Just go home, keep chewing on it, all right? Don't miss next Sunday. If 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 you think the last two weeks have been kind of tough, we, we got a little bit of reprieve. Next week in our paragraph of Matthew chapter 10. Three times Jesus said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So I want to tell you, don't be afraid. Come back next week and find out why we don't have to be afraid. I'll go ahead and give you the, the, the answer. It's because Jesus. <laughs> you don't have to be afraid because Jesus is our Lord. Amen? When you walk out of the room today, remember to put your offering in one of those black boxes. I don't say this nearly enough, but thank you. Thank you for your sacrificial gifts Thank you for giving to the Lord's work and to Kavanaugh and ministry around the world. Thank you for your, your contributions to uh, It's Our Turn campaign. We're enjoying this beautiful building and these great facilities, and it's because you're giving. Please continue to do that. Um, if you're a guest, stop at the Connect counter. We've got a gift for you, and we'll answer any questions you might have about our church. No Bible study tonight at 6.30, 7 o'clock Wednesday. Show up. we got things going on for all ages. And then write down February 20th in your calendar. Uh, that's a month away. February 20th, we've set aside for Dedication Sunday for our new building, right? It's going to be an awesome day. We're going to have one service that day at 10 o'clock. We're going to put all the chairs in here, and we're going to just fill this place up. Uh, we've got dignitaries who are coming, and uh, we're going to celebrate what God has done at Kavanaugh Church, and we're going to dedicate this building to the Lord. So when is it? February 20th. February 20th. Be praying with me about it. I know it's going to be a great, great day. Remember you're loved. I love you. The staff loves you. Most of all, Jesus loves you. Get out there, sheep.